Who Ate My Cake, an all things career podcast, helping you do work happy. Here on Who Ate My Cake, we're tackling things like imposter syndrome, FOMO, the role of money in our career choices, and your relationship with work so that we can be in the driver's seat and not fear. So what's our bottom line? It's about crafting careers that fit so you can do work happy. Who Ate My Cake and All Things Career Podcast is brought to you by HD Career Consulting, where we help you find work happy, as well as CC Content, here for all of your online content creation needs. Today on this episode, we will be discussing, are you happy at work? How do you know? What does unhappy work look like? And how do you overcome it? We just want you to know that the information and opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and educational purposes. Any reliance on this information that is provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. Now that the legal jargon is all out of the way, let's get to listening. Hey folks, Cassie and Bree here. We just wanted to thank you for listening to Who Ate My Cake and All Things Career Podcast. Now it's time for episode one. Are you happy at work? Are people really happy at work? It's a great question. I don't know if they're happy or not. We're getting ready to find out though. Well, and statistically, you with the research that you did, we know that one in two people are happy with their job, but 70% of them are actively looking for a new one. Holy moly. Let's dissect that for a second. Say it again. So one in two people are happy in their job. One could also say one in two people are unhappy in their job since it's yeah. a 50-50 statistic. Yet 70% of employees are actively looking for a new one. So are they really happy in their job? If they're actively looking, like seven in 10 are actively looking. Yeah. I mean, I think part of that might feed into a level of unhappiness in the workplace, but I think it's also a level of distrust in whether or not your job is going to be there in the future, or if you're going to see the growth or advancement you want without transitioning careers not to jump too far ahead but um i think that there i think there are a lot of factors that would tie into why someone is actively looking for a job yeah i think that it's i feel like it's common human knowledge that we don't like to stagnate and so when i'm talking about career development and career planning with working adults top of mind is growth in some way or role of service in that job to fulfill a need that they have uh, and when those needs aren't being met, oftentimes they look somewhere else. No. It's kind of, yeah. So it's, so it's really interesting. And, um, I like talking to employees versus companies, particularly because, uh, if we can coach both systems to have clear expectations, then they do a better job of finding better matches for each other right? There's so much stuff out there that companies get, um, that teach them how to find the right employee and maybe keep the right employee. We also need to be teaching ourselves how to find the right job for us. Um, being able to identify the, the organization that's going to complement our wants, interests, and needs and connect with our values so that we can have sustainability, um, as well as grow and develop and move into the next great thing. Yeah, absolutely. If, even one of those buckets wants interests or needs are not being filled. I think that there is going to be a motivation to, to kind of see what else is out there. Exactly. Misalignment in our values, goals, wants, interests, and needs, what I like to call the give win, are a great way to evaluate and determine the source of unhappiness in the work that we do. 
Some other red flags include things connected to stress and the multitude of ways stress uh, unroll or unravel in our lives. So uh, to help our listeners along in identifying what unhappy looks like, instead of just having a feeling of being miserable at work, what are some things that you have had in your work experiences where they were clear signs that they were rooted in unhappiness with the work that you were doing? Um, just kind of thinking back in terms of situations where I was actively looking for a new job, even though I liked what I did, usually one of the big barriers, if I liked what I did, I ran into an issue where I didn't get paid enough or I didn't have the right benefits package. So there was a need that was not getting met yeah, in that like, role. Like I, I have bills. <laughs> I got stuff to pay. I got stuff Legit. to pay. Um, and if you're if you're if you're not being appropriately compensated for the work that you're doing, it does breed resentment. It's going to happen if you feel like you're being taken advantage of in the workplace. And I think that there are a lot of people that bring a lot of skills and qualifications to the workforce that they don't receive compensation for, but employers tap into it. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, here's the thing: boundaries. We're going to talk about this in our in our podcast, but boundaries and then appropriately matching skill sets with what they have to offer so that you're not burnt out or disappointed when you're not getting that compensation because say you're, you're given a little extra that isn't going to ever be compensated. And so compensation, we, we need to talk about that. That's going to definitely be in our early list of, of episodes and is definitely one of those things that motivates people to be kind of unhappy in their role is not being appropriately compensated or having financial needs where their role itself is not appropriately compensating based on what their needs are. And so that creates a, a, an apex so to speak, a, a moment for them to make a decision. Is this enough for right now or do I need to be looking somewhere else? And um, I definitely have had that experience myself. I, you know, my husband and I went through a layoff a few years back. He was the primary breadwinner. Uh, I had my job because um, it afforded the benefits for my family. And when he got laid off, oh man, you remember my career crisis, Cassie? Like I went through like a complete career crisis about what I was going to do, how I was going to get it done. I needed to make more money because money wasn't the same when he got a different job. And I was looking for all kinds of different roles that was going to help pay me more. Uh, but I had a this crisis about what those roles were because I had values and needs in other areas that those roles were going to interfere with that I had to make a decision not to pursue that particular pathway as fiercely, which was devastating to me because I had this career ideal that I was chasing and this expectation that I was trying to fulfill based on my experiences. I was doing all this work to build, to be able to move into this next position in my career, in my field and my life circumstance and my resources got in the way of me being able to choose that. And, um, that made me unhappy in my, in my role. It became not enough. Uh, and all the work that I've been investing in that I, I struggled to, to be okay with it. Like I wanted to be okay with it. I didn't want to change. There were so many luxuries in my position at that time that were a huge benefit, but, um, it really, unfortunately, I went from being very happy in what it was that I was doing to unhappy because life happened and I was trying to seek control. I would, I would, uh, just as an outside observer, maybe suggest an alternate viewpoint on that. Yeah, go for it. Shoot. So 
I don't think that as much changed as your view on it, like your response to how things are happening, like your, your, your lens and how you were looking at it was coming. Like there was crisis at home for, for a few things. And then that, that I feel like that put a some different crisis lens. covered lenses on how you were looking at the workplace. Cause yeah. Talk to me. So kind of reframe that for me a little bit so I can hear what you're saying. Because like you had a lot of really, I remember us having like going through the pros and cons. We got to be careful, right? I, I, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We do have to be careful. But we, we, I remember us going through the pros and the cons, and I was just like, "There's a lot of pros here, Bree. <laughs> <laughs> there are some really, really like amazing things. Like there was some flexibility that was really good for your home circumstance, and there was that was for the last job I had before I tapped out. Yeah, and said I'm gonna do my own jam. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was, yes, there, this career crisis was an evolution of sorts. So guess what? You're probably not surprised. I hope you're not surprised. If you are surprised listeners, um, you're welcome. I don't know what to say <laughs> except for, yay, you're going to be able to see it sooner rather than later. Uh, my career crisis and unhappiness festered for a long time and it started long before I switched to that last position. Yeah. And, um, it, it persisted because I, I'm fiercely loyal, mm-hmm. right? Like I, when I'm in, I'm all in on everything and, um, you know, and I've that, learned that, through the, that can be actually a very, like a great strength, but also being loyal to an employer who doesn't have the same loyalty to you doesn't make a lot of sense in this day and age, or just especially use when it workers differently. Are, workers are viewed very differently than yeah. say employers are. Yeah. And, um, this is something where you and I probably, I not probably you and I diverge a little bit on this because I like in order for me to control the chaos in my thought process about what works and doesn't work, I try to empathize with the fact that they're coming from a particular role and a perspective. And so they're loyal. It's just, they're loyal in a different way. And the way that I need loyalty and the way that I'm giving loyalty where I decided the problem was, was the misalignment in that. And it's not about right or wrong for me. It's not about an idealistic perspective. It's just about realizing in that moment, how we're kind of just continue to walk past each other, right? Like we're on the same lane, we're going, we're, we're on the same highway, but there's just this thing that keeps passing, right? Yeah, just like that, she's doing hand motions out into the ether. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and this is where the process of looking for the system to give me a solution had to be blown up. And I had to start fresh, basically. And I had to uh, turn my analysis process back inward and take inventory of the stuff that freaking mattered. And I still, it took a few years to figure it out, right? Like it, it doesn't happen overnight. And what my perceived ideas of success look like and how I came about them really conflicted over a period of time, yeah. right? Like, well, and anytime you're feeling stuck or unhappy or dissatisfied or, uh, you know, list negative emotion here, um, you can turn, turn your view inward and really look at what can you do with your, your attitude, your mindset, your mentality, the work that you're doing internally is going to have a much more profound impact on your external forces 
uh, by just changing how you look at it before having any drastic changes where you're setting stuff on fire. And I, th- I think that that's real. I know that's real. Heck mm-hmm. yeah, I know that's real. Um, you know, so I, I ended up lucky. My network really turned out for me and I pivoted into a different role. At one point I was going to go for a PhD. I was really motivated about it, but then money. Let's be honest. But then money. And then there's not the money at the end of it. Yeah, maybe. It's like money before, money, money before. after. And then it's like it's this whole inverse equation. Yeah. <laughs> I was so pumped about that PhD. I was ready to go. And then I got real about money. And so I I took on this other position and I learned some, go- I learned some cool stuff. But I also learned that uh, I like driving my own bus and I wanted to create my own opportunities. And I... Yeah, Keanu. I know. <laughs> Um, and I ended up in a position to where that became possible. And I, I, every day I talk about it when somebody asks me how I got here, um, and how HD career consulting got started, uh, is dorky as it sounds folks, like it boils down to like my own self-discovery process. And, you know, even like in every role that I've ever done, there's been an element of, of career perspective laid over what it is that I was doing, the decisions I'm making and how it drives. Cause I've always been career driven. You and I've had this conversation about like, I just, I knew I was going to grow up and I was going to have a career. I was going to be a career lady. I don't know, like the 80s slogan. The title, the title mattered and so did the shoulder pads. They did. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetical. They Hypothetical did. shoulder pads moment, right? You're just like, I got the weight of the world on my shoulders and I'm going into the workplace and I'm carrying this load. <laughs> yeah. And I, I started my um, master's program because I wanted to be a executive for a college, right? Mm-hmm. and I did more research and you I saw, found out you saw the pathway and you're like, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh. I just, for where I'm at in my life role in my life roles and my, and my family dynamics, that kind of position is not, it is accessible. It's accessible at a cost and it's not the cost that I want to expend yeah. to be able to get there. Cause I want to be thoughtful about that. Um, I don't, it's not about poo pooing or, or yeah. disc or saying, but you not that route. You do, you do have to step back and say, does this work and this cost, and this benefit that I'm getting from all this energy that I'm expending, does this align with my values and where I want to be? Because so many people get focused on the trees but miss the forest, you know, cliche. Right. But it's been there. It's a cliche because it's true. You yeah. Know? We get to say it because it's a lived experience by so many. <laughs> yeah. And so looking at, you know, what what are you actually trying to accomplish really helped you, I think step back and start really focusing on some of those intangible things and you know flexibility and life choices what do i need right now it was very very different than what you were getting uh in some previous workplaces that's for sure yeah and and unhappiness unfortunately um cropped up and manifested in a number of ways like uh it wasn't just about literally just being stressed out or even depressed Mm -hmm. really can you name Um, a time when you were happy in the workplace uh, there's always these moments early on in my career where I'm like, su- I'm like uber optimist. Right. Yeah. And so I'm always glass half full. Do you remember me like rah rahing everybody to do the leadership program at Ames? I'm like, come on, we got to do it. You know, definitely a Kool-Aid drinker in that regard, but that's how I survive. Right. I am always looking at, well, it could be worse. It always could be worse. Right. And so I think in many of my jobs, I've never really been absolutely miserable in any of my jobs per se. There's only one job that I've done that was a temporary job. It was credit card processing sales. And 
whoever does that job, they're resilient and awesome because yeah, it is so much work. There's a lot of jobs out there that that are just like that, <laughs> right? And it's not for me. And yeah. for those of you who do it, you get, I what mean, was, you need a parade what because was the it's weirdest a lot of work. Job? The weirdest job? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I've really had weird jobs, like per se. I just, I've definitely done um, like the, the peace, the peace work jobs. Like I delivered newspapers a oh, couple of yeah, times I in my career. That, yeah. Yeah, early on when I was younger, I'd deliver yeah. newspapers um, when I was a kid. And then I did it again when we were actually going through the um, financial like home life situation because yeah. of the layoff. Uh, and you're a straight hustler. S- I forgot about that. <laughs> that was so hard. Oh. I actually had to get permission to go into work a half an hour later, which was really rough because it's a large office. And so that impact of watching me walk in later than everybody else was a real big challenge for me. Yeah, they're all, uh coming in late, Brie. <laughs> Even if they After weren't saying it, I was like feeling the it. Of the night. Yeah. <laughs> even if they weren't saying it, I totally was feeling, I was feeling judged even if I wasn't being judged. And so yeah. like it only lasted for so long. That and um, sleep is so important. And talk about like fostering some crazy when you're like not getting any yeah. sleep. Some mental overload and distress. <laughs> yeah. So unhappiness, like kind of going back to what it looked like and unhappiness for me, like really boiled down to, and what I've observed with professionals about unhappiness is it looks like um, it can manifest like you know, with your mental health, your social health, your relationship health, um, it can turn guilt, guilt, shame, right. I'm fine. You feel so bad for like not feeling good. Yeah. (laughs) Like the positivity shaming that comes with everything. Like 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 everything should be great right now. Yeah. And so you run around, you're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know? Mm. So when you walk around, you're like, I'm fine. It's like, really? I'm a hot ball of a mess. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, it manifests in a multitude of ways. You don't have to literally be like, Oh, I'm so unhappy. Like you don't have to know like with a shadow of a doubt that you're unhappy, unhappy can manifest in all kinds of dysfunctional ways. Like maybe arguing with your supervisor over Mm -hmm. something that is really in the long grand scheme of things, not worth it. All of a sudden maybe being uberly persistent about a particular issue with colleagues, or maybe it's about, being in control of a specific thing. So you hoard it, right? Like, why are you hoarding things? Um, it's usually a source of like distress in my perspective. Yeah. Fear, trust, fear all, there's mistrust, which is all sources that breed unhappiness, right? Yeah. Well, if you're afraid at work, I, no, you're not going to be happy. Like that's unhealthy. You shouldn't, you shouldn't walk into the workplace afraid to share your resources with your colleagues because you might get let go and they'll be retained or yeah. for whatever reason. So like, like that's, that's an unhealthy work dynamic. And maybe it's like, maybe more accurately to be like that. It just, it can lead to unhappiness. Sometimes it is this, like the source is unhappiness. So then we manifest it that way, but then it can also over like it's chicken or egg kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, well, you have to look at like, I mean, are there actions in your workforce that are enforcing that response? Mm-hmm. So when you look at the type of behavior, yeah, like the culture co Yeah. 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 Um, so really, I don't know, Cassie, what other things do you think feel like in your, in your experience and observation with others in the workforce, what are some other ways that unhappiness might manifest so that we can, not that it is that you're unhappy, but that it's something to look at, to be able to determine whether or not that's what the issue is so that you can actually try to start to solve it. Um, I think one of the big behaviors that I've personally noticed is, uh, people coming in late or leaving early 
like just looking for a way to get out of the office like distancing themselves yeah like they're physically distant so lack of engagement yeah you see that very very quickly um with someone who doesn't want to be there anymore right they're like this is a legitimate reason why i have to to go away i I have to pick my friend up (laughs) yeah i have to pick my friend up and it's like, do you really have to pick your friend up? Or are you just looking for some way Did to Did your one day start at 8 a.m. and you're taking lunch at 9.30? Yeah. That's, that's a question. Like trying to distance choice. yourself. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just interesting. And we should definitely take some look at that. So, you know, it's funny that you say that because engagement, there's some stuff we found on about engagement and workplace happiness. Uh, Cassie and I, you, you and I did some research and we want to share that information with you to cut, to corroborate what we're talking about and, and put a little bit more of a solid framework around what that could look like. Uh, and what we have learned is what a happy employee might look like. Okay. Not even might. They're saying it is. This is what happy employees look like. Happy employees are engaged. So what do you mean by engaged, Cassie? Engaged. They show up. They're paying attention. They're contributing. They're participating. Uh, They know what is in the works and they have a plan to complete it. Presence. It's all about being present. Physically, mentally, and careerally. Careerally? <laughs> is that professionally? Yeah. Professionally? That's where <laughs> yes. we were going. See? Um, traveled all the way there to the right answer. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, it's also um, happy employees are able to self-advocate and manage up to impact the unhappiness factor in the everyday work. Manage up. Employees, you're going to love this word. There might be some managers that don't like this word. <laughs> um, uh, You know what? <sighs> I don't, I feel like it gets a bad rap. I feel like. How do you know how to help somebody if they can't articulate it to you? That's managing up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think, I think all employers, managers especially should want employees who know how to manage up because that means that they're going to be able to walk into what could be a potentially volatile situation, like verbally volatile, not physically, hopefully. Um, but you know, something that might be a, a little bit more combustible than say cake in the break room. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. uh, and, and handle that with tact. So it's interesting because engaged really is the measure or the benchmark, the gold standard, the gold standard for like, measuring if you're happy with work then or satisfied that's another measure that they use satisfa- satisfaction instead of happiness um you'll see a lot of satisfaction surveys for workers in the workforce if you're afraid um, to answer the satisfaction survey they've got work to do before that survey legit <laughs> right um and but interesting engage is actually like it's all over in hr right now uh it's a big deal engagement i love it i'm a total engagement nerd it's a buzzword it is a buzzword um but it, it engagement is about measuring behavior with a system as a means of being able to you know increase efficiency reduce cost um increase quality of experiences um and hr is all over it right now because engaged employees are happy employees that sounds like that's pretty much at this place a universal truth and when they're engaged and they're happy then they retain and when they retain you have reduced costs and that's the hr department's role is to manage human capital and manage risk and human capital yes. yep 
And so, you know, engagement is a big deal. So they're getting a little bit more feely and they're asking you, what do you want to be doing? And they're trying to solve your happiness issues in a multitude of ways in the scope of the workplace, um, because engagement is a big deal. And, um, the challenge is, is just like anything that we're measuring or looking at or having a conversation about with those moments, we, there's opportunities to overuse them or mm-hmm. underuse them or even mislabel them. Yeah. Any competency or trait skill misuse. Yeah. It becomes, becomes a, a bit of a detriment. Yeah. And so, um, when Cassie and I are talking about engaged, what we mean is like, you're engaged in the appropriate tasks, the things that are relevant to what your employer is asking you to be engaged in, as well as what's relevant to you as a professional that feeds into your long-term career plans, professional development, satisfaction. So relevance is a really big key in there. So I would say like when you talk about engagement, like if you're having a super long conversation with Cassie outside of the context of what your job is, like today we're doing a podcast. It's completely appropriate for me to have a two hour conversation with her while we're sorting all of this out because we're working. (laughs) It would be really awkward if you didn't want to talk to me today. (laughs) Yeah, it would be right. You should just stare at you really awkwardly, awkwardly. (laughs) I made it weird. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, think about that because, uh, engagement, like it's in the right things. And then we were talking about engagement along the lines of if it's like forced participation or you're afraid to say no to projects. So you're like, yes, man, yes, ma'am. Uh, I could do that. And you're volunteering for all these projects because you don't have the professional clout to say, I can't do that. Or I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty full up on projects right here and I'm going to focus on giving them my, my 100, uh, that that's a, that's an overuse of engagement and, or a misuse. (laughs) Yeah. Misuse and, or even (laughs) a little bit of abuse in the workplace. If they know that you never say no to projects, they're like, Oh, let me, she's always engaged. Let me give you this because you're so gung ho about doing stuff. Then you're always um, engaged. So, you know, that's that's when it's detrimental to your sanity. Yeah. Sorry about that. I mean, I I got all excited. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You were too engaged. I I was too engaged. (laughs) I overused it. Uh, and so, so yeah, I mean, engaged is a great thing and you can be overly engaged or you can be engaged incorrectly, uh, figuring out how you need to be engaged in a way that's, uh, mutually beneficial. I'm going to tell an employee, like assess situations that are mutually beneficial. And when things run out of mutual benefit, uh, that's a really good time to maybe assess where you're at and what you're doing and how you can get back to center so that you can contribute in a positive way, which oftentimes is connected to your mutual benefit you're listening to who ate my cake and all things career podcast episode one are you happy at work and now it's time for wrap up moving forward is there anything we need to think about or noodle on um you know there i had a few more questions on it like going beyond like just being engaged Mm -hmm. um one of the one of the factors is like looking back on like different job experiences and what you can do and you know different moments when you felt like you had no control in the workplace um if you if you really look at it like do you legitimately have no control in that situation or what can you do are you taking on a victim mentality uh sort of learned helplessness in terms of how you approach your career and you're just kind of floating along 
like a little right. sailboat at sea and you're just a victim of all the waves that come crashing down. Right. Um, or are you, are you, you know, sailing and using the stars to navigate and taking yourself to where you want to go? Yeah. So um, are you like taking inventory really is like yeah. the first step in trying to assess the impact of unhappiness on your workplace and yourself. Yeah. Right? Cause we were looking at going into, um, how do you assess that? Like, how, how do you get more empowered in your job? Say you are disengaged. Do you need more responsibility? Do you need less responsibility? What's happening? Um, do you need to ask for more control about how you go about your day? Maybe it's not that your workload is too much or too little. It's just that you're being micromanaged in how you do it. Or it's not the right kind of workload. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there's been positions. So I've always had jobs where I'm doing kind of a, a, a number of different things and they serve different purposes for the way I work. One requires a lot of attention to detail and focus. And then another one allows me to be creative and flexible and socially oriented. Um, and I have to have both of those pieces in order to have a balance in my work. And, you know, in a former job when they were talking about taking away the social aspect, all of a sudden I was like, well, I'm not going to sit there and do all the detail stuff 99.9% .9 of the time. Like that's not real. My brain's not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Like I can do it when I can do it within the scope of what's needed to be done. It's not about whether or not I can get it done. I can get it done, but I can get it done because I have this other piece. And when they talked about changing that around, I was like, ball games changed. Yeah. I'm is, not a paperwork processor. This is different. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a big team player and I'll totally process paperwork all day, every day, every day, any day when it's needed. Like I'm all in, but am I a day to day paperwork processor where I don't talk to humans and I don't engage with humans? Absolutely not. And so that's the moment where I get to take inventory. Is this the thing that I want to be doing? Is this the way I need to be doing my work? Does this version of doing my work or this way of doing my work help me be the best version of myself to allow me to be present and engaged in work? Because if it doesn't, I have an opportunity. I can ask for something different. I can start looking elsewhere. I can settle and be miserable. Yeah. Yeah. I have choices. <laughs> you do have choices. Um, I mean, stepping back and looking at where you're at, uh, even assessing the value of the choices that you're going to make, you got to look at where you're at on the spectrum in terms of, are you in crisis? Are you <laughs> kind of contemplate, contemplating blowing everything up? Like you said, yeah. uh, neutral. Should I pick that fight? Am I ready to pick yeah, that fight? Yeah. Yeah. Am I ready to start this? Yeah. Um, are you neutral or indifferent? Are you engaging to leave? Are you engaging to stay? So assessing where you're at in terms of, of, of your own personal spectrum is, is very important before you start making any big decisions. Cause if you're in crisis mode, don't make a big decision. Don't do it. Breathe. Yeah. Just breathe. Call <laughs> just a friend, breathe. call a friend, call a therapist, <laughs> call somebody, but don't call your boss and don't whine to your coworkers. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't do that. And it's not because you can't because you totally can, but there's all kinds of messy consequences that come from that yeah. that you don't have any control over once it leaves your mouth. You got to gather up some information and, and yeah. try to make as rational a decision as you are in a position to make. Um, and sometimes that means, you know, practicing some, some basic mental health, but maybe you need to look at what you can do today that helps you move towards a goal. It doesn't have to be a career yeah, goal. What it happens today? Goal. Yeah. Yeah. And so like when we talk about being able to maybe implement this today, mm -hmm. we have a structure for you and it starts with asking that question, which is what can you do today? Besides blowing it up. Don't, don't. 
I mean, you can don't don't set anything on fire. I mean, you can. We always you can. can. That like that's a choice, but don't. I mean, we don't, even highly encourage you not to. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just don't. And so you should be asking yourself, what can I do today? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that means tapping into some vacation that you never used. Sometimes that means setting up an appointment with your therapist to lament about your circumstance until you're ready to do something about it. Um, sometimes that means doing nothing at all because it's less painful to do nothing at all than it is to do something. Maybe it's getting a good night's rest. Maybe it's getting some sleep. So you can really reevaluate the situation. Sleep on it. Yes. Um, so those are a couple of different things that you can do today to get there. Um, and the The next next step, how can this contribute to your plan for tomorrow? So making a decision about, or thinking about, maybe not making a decision, but thinking about what it is that you're doing that's going co- going to contribute to a better tomorrow, right? Maybe that's rewriting your resume if you do want to start actively looking for a job. Mm-hmm. I think that taking stock and taking inventory of your skill sets and what you're doing uh, can sometimes give you a more uh, rounded appreciation for what you're even doing in the workplace. If you If you really look at it and you're like, wow, I'm kind of a badass. I do a lot here. Yeah. Yeah. Like I really put it in perspective. It can help you start projects. Yeah. It can help you start feeling unstuck Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden you're, you realize like all these things that you've earned along the way can now be leveraged for the next thing or that you have amazing skill sets that you can take elsewhere. (laughs) If that's where you're going to stick it, then absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, whatever that is, it's noodling on what can contribute to a better tomorrow. Uh, and starting to take task towards those things to help you get there. So the final question is, how do you bridge that gap? And that's a great question. In this scenario, you have a couple, basically I talk about two different ways. One way is you can leave. Okay. And so you start assessing ways to figure out when you can leave, how you can leave and, and what that looks like. That means taking inventory of financial situations whether or not you're in a position with your support system where they can help you along the way. Uh, Are you at a place to take on the same kind of job? Are you going to be moving into a different job? Does the job role functions do those things need to change? Right. And then it's always the mode of asking a lot of very good questions. Yep. And so secondly, the other alternative is if you have a really supportive supervisor, you're in a great position to maybe resolve your unhappiness right where you're at. And that's awesome. And so what I would say when you're talking about that is, is you never want to present with a complaint. You always want to come with a solution. And so brainstorm some things that aren't going right for you. And then I challenge you to try to find a reasonable solution that's going to meet both your needs and your supervisor needs and your department's needs, right? Win, win, win. Win, win, win. And then bring that up as a way for you to address your unhappiness factor. Um, And then you get to find out, are they going to support you in that process? Are they going to help you get there or are they not? And then that leaves you to another juncture where you get to decide, do I stay or do I leave? Right. It's all about the decision-making tree. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And so that's what we have for you today. We want to wrap up those three points again, Cassie, if you want to give it to them. So the situational model that we broke it down to was how do I address this today? 
how does this fit in with my tomorrow? That could be a personal, professional, smart goal. And then third one is how do you bridge the gap in between there? And so when you're looking at the decision-making process and what you're doing, the research, uh, the research that you have to do to get there, uh, there's, there's a lot of little steps in there, but you can be taking those steps on a day-to-day basis to get there. So that's all we have for you today. We want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. Uh, And I look forward to hearing and learning from everyone that has stuff to say about what we shared today. So you can connect with us on whoatemycake.com. And uh, if you want to provide a great idea for us to talk about, you can do that at whoatemycake.com forward slash ideas. And we are taking your input and we will be tackling your questions through that form. So please hop on there and um, check it out. Lastly, if this kind of stuff jazzes you out and you love it and you like having these kind of conversations, uh, we would love for you to subscribe to our listener list and you can do so on our whoatemycake.com forward slash subscribe. Subscribe.